Chapter Twenty Six of Betty Baird's Golden Year by Anna Hamlin Weichel. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Holly Jensen. Chapter Twenty Six: The Gypsies. I can't stand it," said Betty to herself, half aloud. She sprang up from the chair by the window where she had been sitting since coming home from the church. Her mother, Lois, and Mrs. Lane were talking quietly in the next room, and overseeing Aunt Harriet, the old family nurse, who was packing Lois's trunks. Betty tiptoed across the hall, past the billiard room where the men were trying to while away the remainder of the afternoon with desultory games, down the low steps, and ran to the open door. There she found Edwina, with my Nerva, and the owl lying in her relaxed arms dozing elegantly though unmistakably in the wicker chair lois had brought down from the attic it had been lois's own little chair and now lois was to be married tomorrow. betty stooped over and kissed edwina gently poor little thing she is taking her afternoon nap she thought edwina she whispered edwina was wide awake in a second what is it cousin betty she asked, putting her arms lovingly around Betty's neck and drawing her face down to kiss her. She was never too sleepy or too tired or too elegant to brighten into her own sweet natural little self when Cousin Betty came near. Don't speak loud, for I want to steal away without anyone knowing, and I want you to go with me. May I take my Nerva? She'd be lonely in this strange place. Yes, do. We'll get the pony and drive and drive and drive. Why, Cousin Betty, exclaimed Edwina wonderingly. She thought she detected a sob in Betty's voice. Hush, come this way. With the help of a little darky, they hitched up the pony to the low-swung basket phaeton and were soon traveling leisurely through the tree-arched roads and over the gentle hills and picturesque stone bridges of the bird estate silently they drove along betty thinking in spite of herself of the separation coming the next day though there was a prescience of happiness in the very air joy in the songs of the birds and fragrance everywhere now and then edwina looked at her cousin but she understood that she wished to be silent so she could only admire the yellow roses in her belt and touch them lightly to draw betty's attention i've come out to be miserable edwina betty said all at once brushing away a tear but smiling too i came out to complain and to give myself up to unmitigated unhappiness you've known lois a great great many years haven't you cousin betty asked edwina in a consolatory voice trying to carry on the flagging conversation oh not more than five centuries edwina dear smiled betty I was so happy when she came to the pines that day to be my roommate. I gave her half the hooks in the closet, but she had so many dresses that she needed more, and I gave her more, as I didn't need all of my half, but she made me feel rich with my made-over dress. I knew better, but I pretended with her, and we were perfectly happy. But it's all over now. Edwina began to cry. What in the world are you crying for, Edwina? Lois isn't going to die. But you cried, Cousin Betty, said Edwina defensively. Yes, but that's different. 
i'm growing maudlin with age she laughed i'll soon take to snuff like old aunt harriet now we'll go home by a beautiful little stream she turned the pony and began to sing jog on jog on the footpath way and merrily hent the style a a merry heart goes all the day your sad tires in a mile a they passed a low embankment covered with violet petunias white candy tuft and dwarf sunflowers which enclosed a deserted house that's a quaint ramshackle place said betty examining it with interest as she turned forward again she was startled to find a gypsy encampment by the brook four or five white tents stood in the glen and a bevy of laughing quarrelling children played by the stream their mothers dressed in black but with yellow or pigeon blood red aprons and neckerchiefs were preparing supper over little open fires on the greensward back of the tents were several large wagons and beyond in the open meadow a number of well-conditioned horses roamed at will and cropped the sweet grass betty's first impulse was to turn and fly she had childish memories of gypsies stealing children and she instinctively took edwina in one arm the road however was too narrow to turn there and she had to go on a facetious saying of her father's flashed into her mind that it was best to propitiate the evil spirits because the good ones wouldn't hurt you she determined to test its truth she bowed pleasantly to the gypsies and was driving by when a buxom young woman came up to them have your fortune told lady she asked no thank you not today betty answered driving on the girl however was by the side of the phaeton looking at her with merry black eyes her black hair was plaited down her back and ornamented with a high amber comb and big gold hoops hung from her ears in spite of her barbaric dress and the cunning expression of her eyes there was something almost noble in her presence she laughed easily and heartily apparently from the exuberance of healthy spirits showing her strong white teeth her sun-brown cheeks grew red and altogether she presented a splendid picture several small children shy but good-natured clung to her dress and from their stronghold eyed the strangers boldly come let me cross your palm with silver the gypsy said cajolingly if i must sighed betty smiling and handing down a twenty-five cent piece i see two young men the gypsy began in a sing-song voice one is dark and one is fair both love me and one is jealous finished betty amused at the stereotyped prophecy she had really expected more originality from this handsome creature the prophetess threw a mischievous smile at betty then grew sternly solemn i see but one man he stands alone he is tall handsome neither dark nor fair he loves you he has a grand home why not a castle interrupted betty knowing the gypsy love of foretelling untold material grandeur it might just as well be a castle and would be more romantic it is a castle the gypsy maid assured her that's a grand home surely good betty turned to edwina it's the baird castle 
there's no use in my trying if you don't believe in my second sight said the girl offended by betty's unconcealed incredulity or at least professing to be now how could i believe in it asked betty yet smiling in a friendly way i see a castle i see it reasserted the girl stubbornly so do i said betty laughing thank you for your good wishes now we must go here are some pennies for the children and she scattered a handful on the road and laughed to see them scramble for them as betty leaned over to give one to a wee tot who had not been able to compete with his big hardy elders mr minturn on horseback came dashing around the bend in the road he pulled up his horse suddenly tall straight with a face not easily forgotten because of its strength and high breeding proud yet not vain though bearing unconsciously in his carriage the ancestral marks of those who had been proud of their place in the world and of their power and influence he was a man of notable distinction in the pony phaeton sat betty winsome and merry dressed in white her golden-brown head close to the blue-black mane of the young gypsy as she bent over to give out her pennies edwina awestruck her doll hugged to her breast clinging to betty the tall commanding figure of the young gypsy woman with her blood-red shawl great hoop earrings orange petticoat and general barbaric splendor the gypsy encampment the old woman in strange attire holding rollicking children on the banks of the stream two old men fishing over all the warm balmy air the sound of the brook and the leafy archway of trees throwing shadows on the yellow road why mr minturn exclaimed betty looking up suddenly from her gift-making her face grew bright with welcome then she tried to hide its warmth by a studied indifference the gypsy gazed intently at the man then back at betty a smile crept into her dark eyes arcadia minturn cried vaulting off his horse betty caught the significant expression in the gypsy's eyes and her teasing yet good-natured smile it's time to go home she said a little formally she nodded coolly to the gypsy but laughed as the babies tumbling on the soft grass waved frantic farewells with their chubby hands she threw them kisses and more pennies as she turned away but kept her eyes determinedly from meeting those of the gypsy maid as betty and edwina drove up to the portico with minturn riding beside them on the thoroughbred they found jack standing alone by one of the pillars smoking his companionable pipe he gave them a quick searching glance he saw that something out of the ordinary had happened he could see that betty was greatly disturbed though he could not discern that she was both disturbed and frightened by minturn's look the hint in the gypsy's eyes and at her own warmth of welcome she felt that the world had had a new twist since she started out to forget the one lois's coming marriage had given it the world's all right betty said jack as she passed him with a troubled countenance scarcely returning his cheery greeting i didn't expect that from you jack brooks she replied much to his mystification they were much alike in temperament and had been true comrades 
too well satisfied with the present to anticipate the future unnecessarily it was the time for a hearty friendship and both had a gift amounting to talent for loyal true friendships that nothing could change and nothing weaken while this was a bond between them it was at the same time a stumbling block to the hopes the friends of both had for them with unusual keenness jack had penetrated minturn's secret he was not surprised naturally everyone would love betty as for jealousy well jack was not in the least a dog in the manger besides he felt he could well afford to be generous as he knew or thought he knew that betty's mind and heart were not concerned in the slightest with love and marriage he believed that his good comrade betty was like himself happy in the gay present satisfied and contented with conditions as they were however he knew that minturn was a man of purpose of quick and determined action a man who had accomplished much for his years and who would not dally long in his wooing then perhaps for the first time in his happy carefree twenty-one years jack felt his heart grow heavy no one had ever meant as much to him as betty and now betty he emptied his pipe pounding it meditatively against the palm of his left hand and stalked frowningly into the house to dress for dinner and incidentally to have a look at that man minturn lois and betty had planned to devote a part of this last evening to minstrelsy since their early childhood when the order of the cup was founded they had lost none of their love for the old troubadours and the songs of the knightly era tonight they would have the songs of the south led by some of the ancient retainers of the bird family a splendid feature of the house was a curving balcony with beautiful balustrade which connected the two stairways on the level of the second floor this the girls had named the minstrel gallery and here lois had called together the musicians of the plantation who in honor of the occasion had achieved something not unlike the motley or harlequin costumes of old there was white-haired pompey with his beloved guitar who never failed to tell visitors that he had been one of washington's body servants though he invariably forgot to tell them that he was but eighty years of age julius caesar his frivolous son of nearly sixty with his yellow fiddle plentifully covered with rosin dust and george washington jackson the patriarch of them all with his tinkling banjo swaying back and forth as though in ecstasy and keeping time by thunderous beats of their huge feet the picturesque trio led the company in song lois and dunny stood a moment alone in the shadowy hall and tears came to lois's eyes as she thought of those days gone forever when her mother whom she could not remember and her father had lived and loved in this very home lois pleaded dunny it's the past dunny it seems to flit back with the candlelight and the rhythm of the music my mother but lois could not continue i know sweetheart comforted dunny but i'll try to make a happy present and future for you though i-oh dunny i'm happy 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 before dunny could answer with more than a pressure of the hand jack and minturn came down the stairs together 
they didn't seem to have much to say to each other looking around lois saw mrs baird coming down the other stairway alone why where's betty lois exclaimed going forward to meet her edwina's determined to be resplendent tonight and betty is helping her to dress it seems to be difficult to suit her fastidious taste there was a rustle and the sound of quick steps and they all turned to see betty clasping edwina by the hand coming down the stairway holding up the train of her filmy white gown edwina fluttered by her side in pink minturn was at the foot of the steps in an instant holding out a hand to edwina and jumping her down the last two steps and asking betty for the first waltz jack caught dunny's eye and the two friends walked away and talked for a moment on the portico while betty and minturn joined mrs baird and lois he's in dead earnest commented jack and betty who knows if it isn't you jack i hope it will be minturn he's a man all through and i'm afraid old fellow if i can judge from what lois said that it will be minturn well dunny you know she and i have been the best of friends in the world but without any sentimentality yet it will go kind of hard end of chapter twenty six recording by holly jensen